0: Welcome back to brewery.fm. we found our way out of the Bermuda Triangle
1: and returned bearing news of office, SharePoint, Intune, and Planner.
0: Of course, I want to use Skype Audio and Skype Wi-Fi and Skype Word and Skype Chrome and Skype Edge. Everything's going into the Skype brand, Scott. Skype all the things? Skype, Skype, Skype. I mean, I think uh, there have been some niceties with Skype, at least, in the ability to like uh, you know log into Skype um, through Outlook.
1: I like how it crashes a lot.
0: Uh, you're talking about the Skype for Business, or what are you talking about?
1: Oh, yeah, go ahead and pick one. Skype mm. for Business is always a good one. That new fast ring thing that's... Not so fast. Well, yeah, I mean it's quick at crashing.
0: So the fast ring. What are you What are you talking about there? Help the the folks at home realize our voices again, and what exactly a fast ring is, opposed to a slow ring.
1: Mm, a fast ring, at least in the parlance of office, is a deployment ring. Uh, much like Windows operating systems have deployment rings. Uh, that users can opt into to be either in things like current channels uh, or really release slash mm, semi tested, semi stable builds. Uh, and then you also have uh, different deployment rings that you can enter. So you can be on a slow ring uh, or you can be on a fast ring if you join the Office Insider program. And usually that's just a little checkbox, at least on OS X. You know, go ahead, go, ahead, go in. Uh, click a little checkbox, say, I would like to be on the fast ring, and it will magically start pulling down all sorts of fun little bits, like uh, 64-bit office on OS X uh, or the uh, next gen Skype for business client, which is just a steaming pile of awesome.
0: So it sounds pretty awesome. I mean, why would I not want to be on the fast ring? Uh, now I guess the question is, what does the slow ring give me? Does that give me a, a better experience? The slow ring gives you the slower version of the fast ring. Mm, yes. <laughs> yes. It all makes perfect sense. Doesn't it? It does. Uh, I know, I know in the past I tinkered with being in, uh, the regular ring and I thought to myself, well, I'll just, I'll put myself on the slow ring and then i think i saw updates about at the same cadence as the regular ring and i said you know what i want daily updates and boy did i get them <laughs> they're almost daily except when they're not yeah i noticed that the this um uh how that all worked essentially was i think it was during the the Jeremy fake era on the office product team uh, they were definitely pushing updates pretty regularly to the Mac OS client. I don't think he was involved with the Mac OS client at all, but I'll just, I will put it as to a fakeism um as to why that was happening. Uh, as of recent, up to Ignite, uh, that cadence got pretty regular for the fast ring, and then all of a sudden it just kind of fell off. Um, I think I've seen one update in the past three weeks, so... Yeah, and no, it's
1: been about, well, depending on what you're doing, it's been about one a week for Skype for Business, right? So that finally hit auto-update, and it's not on its own update path or things like that anymore. So there was one on the 13th, and there was another one today on the 18th. Um, they still have not fixed the uh, crashy functionality yet. But hey, what are you going to do? That's what the Fast Ring is, uh, which is officially uh, best for those who want to use the earliest preview builds released more frequently to to help identify issues, provide feedback to help make Office great, and don't mind a bit of risk using unsupported builds.
0: Yeah, so I uh, can't say I really like unsupported builds, but at the same time, I like to live on the bleeding edge, so I will not lie. I'm in the fast ring on more or less every device I've got.
1: Have you ever tried the slow rings and still gotten burned by all the unsupported stuff that comes with that? <laughs>
0: uh I have not. I have uh well usually when I'm on the slow ring, that also means I am not really paying attention to office updates and am more consumed by my day-to-day job, and so Uh, I can't say that I've noticed slow ring stuff hurting too much, but I'm guessing you, sir, you have. Oh yeah, no, I've, I've got a couple
1: of good ones. Let me see. Um, oh, here's one. Uh, so last week, um, uh, I had been in the position where I was running, uh, a good portion of our tenancy on the office 2016, uh, deferred channel. Right, so we wanted to be a couple months behind for uh, let's call it stability's sake and not being latest and greatest and bleeding edge and all those kinds of things. Um, And Microsoft decided to roll out a code update to Exchange Online, which only affected the deferred channel. Thank you, Microsoft. Um, Where if you ran your Outlook client in cached mode, which is its default state, your inbox would never actually sync and it would basically be out of whack. And you would have these awesome behaviors like outlook would try and give you a seizure as the screen just constantly flashed in your inbox while it was trying to sync and unsync. And do you know what the fix
0: was? Uh, we're going to go with the uh, shoot the hostage like they said to do in uh, speed. Yep. Yep. The, the fix
1: was, uh, you know, just, just get up, walk a little bit faster and get off deferred channel and go to current channel because the bug in exchange online only affected deferred channel. Uh, Let's see. What's one of my, Oh, you know, my other favorite one is um, do you ever deploy language packs with office? Uh,
0: Unfortunately we do do that sometimes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you can go into, well uh, for office 365, right? So for click to run builds and things like that, you've got ODT and your config XML, and you just specify your language packs in there along with your, you know, your, your channel you want to be in, all those other things. So if you want to ever build uh, a customized MSI or anything, uh, and you want to roll out multiple language packs, uh, here's a good one for you. So go ahead and roll with English and Spanish. And if you roll with English and Spanish and English as your primary language pack, and you go ahead and you run Office, The MUI looks awesome, everything's in English. You open up Word and all the buttons are there. Excel, the buttons are there. The ribbon looks really snazzy. Outlooks, everything's great. You go ahead and you open up Skype for Business and the title bar in Skype for Business will always pull from the Spanish language packs resource strings. So only the title bar for Skype for Business will forever be in Spanish. Uh, even though your primary language is in in English. And the only way to get rid of it is to go back to a build that doesn't have any additional language packs in it and only goes with English. Awesome little bug.
0: Yeah. No. Uh, So did you know, well, uh, I mean, you got to admit, though, those things come in handy when you've got uh, folks working around the globe on, uh, you know a single platform that you don't necessarily have to maintain as much. Maybe, maybe not.
1: <laughs> you know, they come in handy, except when you have to explain to your entire English speaking population, why only the title bar in Skype is in Spanish and they open up help desk tickets and things for it all the time. Uh, you know, Hey, it, what'd you screw up? Oh, <laughs> Turns out we didn't screw anything up. That's all just Microsoft. And that's been that way for like a year. So live with it. Have fun
0: hmm well i can say that uh uh hopefully the user story for some folks is getting better
1: um you know for the most part it should be it, it's uh
0: uh
1: i know the it pro story side of it has gotten a lot better um i don't know if you've ever seen i'm sure you have uh office GitHub.io. So there is this really cool site at officedev.github.io. Have you ever seen this thing? Uh,
0: office.github.io.
1: Off, off, officedev.github.io. Uh,
0: I got a 404.
1: Oh, come on. Uh,
0: officedev.github.io. Go to the link I put in the notes there. Wait, there are notes? Ah, github.com forward slash officedev. Yep, yep, okay. hmm <laughs> Oh yeah, 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 I've seen some of this, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, uh the wonderful folks at Microsoft, they run this awesome online uh ODT XML editor. Yep. Which is all really cool and snazzy. But if you actually go into the GitHub repo, they maintain PowerShell scripts for all sorts of things. So, uh if you have things like say you deploy Office 2016 or Office 2013, Hopefully, you're still not doing that today since that's going out of support in February 2017. But, you know, yeah, whatever, right? Uh, But you can go in there and they have uh, things like uh, go ahead and install Office on a desktop and then run some PowerShell and it'll generate your configuration XML for ODT based on that. But one of the really cool things that they added in here a couple weeks ago because uh, when they published the latest version of ODT, they added a new thing in here. So there's this thing called the Install Toolkit. Have you ever used this before? Uh,
0: you know, I cannot say that I've used that, but I have used the Office Deployment Toolkit on many occasions, just not any of the scripts.
1: Yeah, yeah, no. So, so this isn't uh, this isn't the ODT. This is another. <laughs> Uh, another installation toolkit. So it's an application that will package an Office 365 Pro Plus install into a single executable or Windows installer MSI. Yeah, that could be kind of handy if you do SCCM or Intune, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it does things like embed the XML config file uh, and allows you to push it around with custom configurations, uh, which is really cool. And now it allows you to do things like manage locals, local workstations, uh, it allows you to install or uninstall Office. So if you've ever seen like a corrupt Office install that can't un- uninstall from uh, ad-remove programs, uh, Never this, happens. Little nif- this little nifty tool can do that for you. Um, it can also help you take your existing installations to the newest versions, update channels, um, all those really cool kind of things. And it's just one of those you know, nifty uh, .NET uh, web app thingamajiggers where you click the button and it just runs the executable and it always downloads the latest version of it and it goes off and uh, you can just import an existing file you can write out other ones Um, it's really really cool and it's just this neat little menu driven uh, installation thingamajig that when it works it's okay you know the builds go off day to day and sometimes they work sometimes they don't Um, but on the days they do it's it's really handy
0: so Looking at the little tool that you mentioned, uh, it is pretty cool. Uh, I won't lie. Um, but I, I do have to say, it's kind of funny um, to be reminded about the fact that there is such a thing as the Office 365 first release deferred channel. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: uh, you know, the channel thing's
0: interesting. So I,
1: I ran into this recently. You know, we've been deploying Office for a while, right? Um, And you get pretty used to the way the configuration files are structured and you kind of uh, go and download ODT once. So you download that Office Deploy Toolkit once from download.microsoft and you go off and run and you're like, yeah, you know, I've got a configuration file and I've got a setup.exe. So I'm all set. I'm doing my thing. Um, But Microsoft does drop updates to things like ODT as well. So very recently, within like the last month or two, they dropped a new version of ODT which goes over to the new nomenclature for uh, spelling out release channels. Yep. So, that, so that all changed a little bit, right? Where it used to be, uh, you know, you had things like current branch and current branch is now current channel. Current branch for business is now the deferred channel. All that kind of stuff. So uh, all those values changed a little bit and you can't run the old ODT, the old setup.exe and have it pick up the new stuff. You've got to kind of keep all that aligned.
0: Yeah, I think uh, for me, though, it's just the humor that <laughs> we call it a first release deferred channel in the sense that it's first release, but it's only first release every four months. So those, uh, those chunks that you get every four months uh, can be a little bit more substantial because you're going to get the bleeding edge as opposed to the uh, regular deferred, which means you're going to be effectively past the slow ring getting other stuff. But uh just kind of funny to see the nomenclature there. And you know, for folks at home, uh, there is a great article out there on the Office blog site back on February 9th of this year, 2016, uh, that deals with the deferred channel build now available. Um, so kind of interesting to just see all that. And what's even more interesting to me is if you go into an Office 365 tenant and you go mucking with the uh, download settings for controlling the versions of software, uh, by default, Surprisingly, uh, by default, you are automatically on an enterprise SKU in the every four months deferred channel, even if you're on first release.
1: Yep. But remember, don't run deferred because it'll screw up Outlook. So just go ahead and go with Bleeding Edge and be done
0: with it. Yeah, pretty much. Or just go ahead and enroll your machine in slow ring or fast ring and get rid of all this first release stuff. <laughs> just, I'm going to go ahead and skip it all. Darn the torpedoes full speed ahead.
1: Yep. What happens when your phaser banks run though?
0: Well, then you just go Sway. Ah, yes. <laughs> Do people still use that? You know, uh I was I was tinking around with my Windows desktop and I realized there is a Sway app on Windows 10. Yeah, there's a Sway app and there's a delve app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The delve app I can see being useful, sort of. I don't know why you <laughs> wouldn't just open up a web browser, but the, uh, the Sway app just kind of makes me go, oh. So, yeah, it's interesting. And I don't, I'll have to go back and check, but I don't seem to remember at Ignite there being very many sessions on Sway.
1: I haven't seen <laughs> downloaded a bunch of Powerpoint presentations with one of those nifty uh, TechNet gallery script thingamajiggers but yep. I, I, I don't think I've seen there were some speakers who put their stuff out in Sway but I haven't seen any sessions about Sway yeah I'm still working my way through
0: so if I do a quick search on 2016 uh, so on day 5 at nine in the morning, there was a sway session called creating, uh, create meaningful stories in an instant with office sway by Jackie Chua. Uh, yeah. And then there was someone else that did a session on day four. Um, that talks about Sway, but it was definitely not a Sway. So there was one session on Sway, uh, which is kind of a letdown and kind of sad, but, you know, I mean, props to them for being a presenter at Ignite, but it's uh, it's kind of sad to see that Sway has lost a little bit of its, uh, you know, its oomph. Mm,
1: yeah. I, you know, that authoring canvas is all over the place. So uh, they're definitely using the, th- the things that they've introduced there in oh, yeah. many other places, right? Like modern team sites and oh, uh, OneDrive blogs have been that way for a while now. Uh, you know, if you've been doing any of the uh, SPFX stuff, uh, you know, all the, and, and playing around on the workbench, it's all that same canvas. So uh, they've definitely uh, gotten their money's worth out of it.
0: Yeah. The so it's funny you mentioned the uh, sway stuff and uh, the blogs and whatnot because if you look at the blog and if you look at the workbench you're like wait a sec that looks almost the same and then if you uh, look at the news page that they announced at ignite um, for groups team news coming to a tenant near you I know first yeah yeah so if you look at that you know it's the first page that pops up when you go to the actual site collection of a group and That uh, that breaks my brain a little bit. Um, But uh, yeah, so you see that canvas and it looks very similar to Workbench and everything else as well. Um, The one funny thing uh, from my perspective is you still can't do branding the way you want it to, but. Uh,
1: No, you're not supposed to brand Outlook, remember?
0: Uh, That's right. That's right. I forgot. We're not supposed to brand Outlook. Wait but SharePoint's not Outlook.
1: Ah, but it's an office thing. Remember, that's, it's a, uh, what is that? It's a Michael Knollism, right? Mm. Uh, You know, you might want Outlook to be purple and have weird buttons, but you're never going to go and do that because that's just a dumb request. And sometimes you should treat SharePoint the same exact way.
0: Mm. All right, well, that uh, settles that. I guess I'm not going to go brand Outlook, even though I wanted to see i told you that's true you did you did so uh in other news um so ignite uh it was definitely i forgot um so i was down there uh back in it seems like ages ago a couple weeks ago down in atlanta oh yeah they let you in They let me in. I had a badge. Uh, I I made the mistake. So this is a key for anybody that's thinking about going to Ignite next year. So for the four four listeners that are still with us, uh, if you're going to go, step one, convince your boss. Step two, um, buy your ticket to Ignite as early as possible um, and get the lowest price that you can because – I mean, you might as well have an extra couple hundred dollars in your pocket to go see Todd, Clint, or someone uh, during the pre-con, um, which is a extra uh, extra fee. That's how it's always been with TechNet or TechEd and uh, all those. But uh, you know, go and go see Todd. Say hi to Todd. Give Todd a hug. Get a sticker if you do that. Uh, but yeah, so once you've bought your ticket, um, go book your hotel immediately. Like you don't necessarily <laughs> need to book your hotel through the website that you sign up for Ignite. You know, you don't necessarily have to be at the hotel that, uh, the conference is at it makes it really, really simple. I mean, that way you just, you know, you stumble downstairs, you get breakfast, you go to the conference, you realize, Hey, I should probably go take a shower around 11 in the morning. You go take a shower, you come back to Ignite, you're all fresh and clean. Um, you go to a couple more sessions and then you go hang out with vendors in the evening. So, I I did not make my hotel reservation. I bought my ticket back in February. I forgot to go <sighs> to the hotel Dan, Dan, until Dan. beginning of August. So I I actually stayed out uh, near SunTrust Park, which is uh, going to be the new home of the Atlanta Braves next year when they win the World Series. Um, but uh, so I was about eleven miles out. Uh, now a lot of people stayed in Buckhead which is also north of Atlanta by about eight miles, but is connected by Metro or what they call MARTA. Um, And then other people stayed out near the airport and they actually had buses running from the airport, which I think was actually further away than I was. Uh, But uh, yeah, so I made the mistake. Uh, I did not book my room immediately. Um, But uh, some of the things that kind of popped up um, outlook app improvements. So I don't know if you saw this article out about uh the Outlook app on the Office blog. Maybe, maybe not.
1: Uh I have seen many articles about Outlook uh, and I'm not sure how much of it I would call an improvement,
0: but yeah. <laughs> so in this case, uh da, 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 let's see the bit that I was actually excited about. Uh, was they introduced a new architecture. Um, so when the app got bought, um, it was originally Accompli, as we both know, and the Accompli app was pretty and awesome. Um, it was probably the best mail app out there on iOS. Um, and, you know, they rebranded it as Outlook, and they kept pressing forward, but it all lived on some other hosting provider, cloud hosting provider's <coughs> Adobe AWS. systems. Yeah.
1: Uh.
0: Yeah. And that was, that was completely public. Um, but the way that the app worked is it did some, uh, you know, some caching and whatnot. And so when you'd go out and, uh, do things, you would have some data basically sitting up there in AWS. And a lot of companies, they said, Whoa, I don't know how I feel about this. I don't know if my data just kind of hanging out there and waiting for people to play with. Um, so, you know, we, uh, I've been looking at this a lot, and they eventually they transitioned it all over to Azure, which is pretty darn cool. So I think for a lot of companies, they're going to look at that, and they're going to go, whoa, I'm not actually crossing data centers, and I'm not caching anymore, apparently. I'm just going straight to my mailbox. This is great.
1: Yeah, not only did they do that, they give it a really cool name. It's the Stateless Protocol Translator, parentheses, Azure.
0: Also known as C3PO.
1: Yeah, or also known as the Outlook device API to REST and vice versa thingy. Majigger.
0: Yeah, so I, I guess that was my excitement when it came to the Outlook app. So I'm just happy to see Microsoft doing the right thing, bringing it all under uh, kind of one umbrella um, in-house instead of having it kind of split out across. Plus, it just it looks strange when... You know, Microsoft is paying Amazon to host data on their behalf.
1: Yeah, you know, they do what they got to do. Even more interesting. So that's great, right? That's an enabler. And that allows a ton more organizations to go ahead and adopt that app. Uh, They also added a bunch of other things into the app. So they brought in conditional access policies from uh, Intune and some of the EMS stuff and all that good stuff. Uh, they added Selective Wipe, which was really cool, right? So let's go ahead and uh, be able to just wipe our tenancies data and not any personal data since uh, Outlook on iOS or Android. Uh, It's one of those apps that supports multiple email accounts, so why touch it? Uh, And then it also brings through uh, Intune's ma'am Without Enrollment. I don't know if you've played around with that at all. Um, but that's really cool as well for some BYOD scenarios.
0: Yeah, so the, the MAM without device enrollment is awesome. When it, when, when it
1: works, it's awesome. Uh, it's got a lot of
0: bugs too. <laughs> well, I, you know, I for one welcome our Intune Overlords. Um, <laughs> I guess you could say that. I know enough organizations out there that have uh, made significant investments into an MDM provider and they suddenly see Outlook and they go, wow, that would be really cool, but it doesn't fully integrate because very similar, uh, I know we talked about this a year ago probably about uh uh different apps on mobile. Um, the only thing that could do full-up management was Intune. Um and so in similar fashion, Outlook being owned by Microsoft, um, they manage the heck out of it. And they do, you know, they provide basic level stuff you can do with other companies, I think. Uh, but for the most part, everything that you want to do is going to be through Intune. So I know this uh, this ma'am uh, without device enrollment, so my, <laughs> excuse me, um, so... Yeah, if you're going down that path of doing uh, mobile application management, uh, you don't necessarily have to have the device fully controlled. You can just put out that one application um, and manage it. And its I, I think it's pretty slick because I think that'll open the door for them in a lot of other ways. Uh, no, it's totally awesome. Manage
1: through Azure, right? Go ahead and create a policy and tie apps to those policies. Uh, and applications uh, are constantly coming in. So, you know, Outlook's not just in there. You've got things, uh, they added Yammer last month, um, and, you know, the the list is growing. Um, Unfortunately, that list is different across uh, mobile platforms. So iOS and Android have a different list of apps that can be brought in. Um, And, you know, they've been doing some tweaking with the... uh, (laughs) the enrollment experience for non-enrollment, right? So if you're on Android, you actually have to go out and uh, download the company app and go ahead and enroll your device, like kind of soft enroll it. And if you're on iOS, you don't have to do that. You just sign in with your corp creds and it goes ahead and locks things down and figures it out. Um, But yeah, it leverages uh, your security groups and Azure AD. Uh, Even things like dynamic security groups, because, hey, you're going to be implementing this through something like EMS. So you'll have that Azure AD premium subscription and be able to roll up things that way, uh, which is really cool. And you can have, like I said, different policies between uh, Android and iOS. So you want to make your Android users suffer and have 16-digit pins, and you want to make it really easy for your iOS folks and just have them use Touch ID. uh, You can do that. Uh, yeah, not that not that I would ever do something like that, but I, I mean it is it is possible. Um, it's It's definitely got some kinks, right? So one of the biggest problems with or that I've seen with Ma'am without enrollment is that each and every application team uh, is responsible for their implementation of Intune within their app. So the team that writes uh, Outlook for iOS, is a different team than the team that writes Excel for iOS or Word for iOS. And all of their implementations are just a little bit different. So uh, depending on what you've got going on, things can be a little weird and kind of out of whack sometimes. So you've got things like, um, oh, what's, what's one of them that's going on now? Uh, device pins. Right, so if you go on to something like iOS and you say, uh, I would like my users to have a device pin where I would like them to be able to use Touch ID and get in. So you go ahead and you set the device pin and you say, I want it to be a four digit pin. Well, that's all well and good, except when the app decides that it's not gonna follow the policy and it always wants it to be a six digit pin. And then you think you'll be smart. And I'll set it to like an eight digit pin and see if I can get it and then maybe go back. And nope, the only thing that app ever wants to do is a six-digit pin because that's the way the app team wrote it right now and that's the way it's going to be until they roll out whatever event, uh, whatever version is going to go ahead and fix that. So it can definitely have its annoyances, um, but the onboarding experience, totally awesome. If you're just doing really simple policies, it's totally great. Um, It is man, without enrollment, so you can't push settings or anything like that, Uh, but you can go ahead and get kind of the warm fuzzies around uh, you know, my users can't copy and paste data out of Outlook and go ahead and paste it into an iOS note and then save it to Dropbox or things like that because you'll have all those operational controls.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. I'm... Uh, sorry, I just... I'm getting giddy about, man, we... Um, <laughs> but uh, that's just me. Um, the other thing that probably blew me away is... Uh, down at Ignite, um, it was uh, well, okay. A lot of things blew me away. The the heavy rainstorm on Tuesday night that was not cool. But uh, <laughs> the SharePoint online sync preview through the next gen client. Um, so about I guess about a year ago, uh, Microsoft started telling us about this uh, convergence of the OneDrive for Business client and the uh, OneDrive consumer client, um, and for a while, they released a, a beta client or a, a preview client that allowed us to use OneDrive for Biz or OneDrive Consumer uh, to get to our OneDrive for Business, aka MySite, up on uh, Office 365. But none of our lovely, delicious uh, SharePoint sites. So we still had to run the Groove client, as it is aptly named, uh, on our devices, you know, Windows devices to be able to pull down SharePoint sites. Kind of a pain in the butt. Uh, For those of us on iOS, we've actually had the ability to get into our SharePoint sites, I believe for a while. I remember all of a sudden it just kind of lit up and it was like, oh neat, I can get into my SharePoint site. Uh, But the ability to get into SharePoint sites now, if you go download the preview client, so it's the next generation sync preview um, that was released during Ignite, uh, that will actually take over and your OneDrive for business client has no purpose anymore. It's kind of sad. Um, now here's the caveat. Uh, if you do this, uh, there is a registry key you have to put in there. Um, so you basically go into the OneDrive settings inside your registry, um, and you tell it, yes, use the next generation sync client. Uh, if oh, you want... that's not
1: that bad. They actually provide the registry file for you. So you just <laughs> double,
0: double click the random file you downloaded from the internet and accept yeah, yeah.
1: the UAC prompt and go.
0: Yeah, I know, I know. But, uh, so here's the catch. If you want to roll back, <laughs> uh, if you change that value to a zero and reboot, um, OneDrive will actually tell you, if you try and sync with it, it'll say, no, no, Dan, Scott, oh, you need to use a different app than me. I, I don't do synchronization. Um, Why would you try and roll back? Well, you know, in, uh, it just, you know, sometimes... System administrators get touchy, and they they still don't understand that uh, OneDrive consumer client is the end all be all for us now. So, uh, uh, so, just so folks don't know how to read TechNet and keep up with the blogs. Well, admittedly, there's a lot that gets pushed out through those blogs, but
1: they sure. fear the Dan.
0: Uh, yeah, so just you know, be mindful that uh, if you do go out and try the next generation sync preview. Uh, buyer beware. You probably want to talk to your system administrators and get their sign off that it's okay to do it. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty snazzy. It works pretty darn well. I haven't had a whole lot of problems with it. Um, I will admit, the first week that it was out, uh, it was pretty wretched. Um, it worked great still for the OneDrive for Business, uh, but the SharePoint Sync it seemed to hang. So yeah. I have to, I I have have to, to restart it. it
1: and reopen it.
0: And yeah. 2 it's or gotten, 3 to, two or three times a day. It's gotten better. Um and I don't know if that's beta, I mean I don't know if that's bits they've pushed down over the past couple of weeks or if it's just now that I have a solid download of my entire uh, OneDrive for Business and SharePoint site that it's not having to go look for changes. Um but it oh, man, it flies compared to the old client. So I'm I am very pleased with this, and I am looking forward to seeing it come to uh, fruition for all users, and that the old Groove client can finally just go serve up music.
1: Yeah, no, it's I mean it's nifty, right? It it supports things the other next gen sync client supported, so or the previous iterations of it, so selective sync and 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 all that goodness. Uh, it also has a nifty little preview box so if you click on the taskbar icon it pops up uh, at least on Windows with a graphical interface and it actually shows you what it's doing and what it's syncing and where it's moving it to and and, and what's happening with it uh, I'm a little worried about that UI kind of scaling the settings UI right because you do have users who don't sync just one or two libraries but they sync 50 or 60 or 100. And can you imagine that settings pane (laughs) just trying to scroll all the way down the screen? Because it's not really going to scroll, I don't think. Maybe maybe I'll go into work and try that tomorrow and and see what happens. Um, But it is far more solid, right? For the quote-unquote next-gen client, uh, it just works where the old one, you know, I haven't had to do those whole let's archive and reset and start over kind of thing, which has been absolutely wonderful.
0: You mean you didn't like it when you had a file syncing for three weeks?
1: And you never knew which file it was?
0: Exactly. Although, they admittedly got better where you knew which file it was, but you had no like alternative except to go archive and start over, which always made me cry a little bit inside.
1: <laughs> yeah, well... Which part made you cry? The part where an archive is just a copy or the part where it's really not an archive or the part where, Oh my gosh, what is this thing actually doing? And I really have to go and Oh, did you know my one drive is almost a, Oh, a t- Oh, ah ooh ah, hurts <laughs> painful.
0: Yeah. It's yeah. I, I give, uh, I guess it's, uh, is it Ruben Krippner and that team? Um, Major kudos for uh doing what they said they would do and get the client to a bearable and actual fully functional uh client by Ignite. So it's um major kudos and thumbs up to them. Yeah, no, I
1: so I mean you've got that one and then on OS X you can actually just use the uh the OneDrive app straight out of the app store and go ahead and tweak it a little bit and it'll get all that stuff going for you too. Um, it doesn't, I don't know if you've ever noticed this. I, I I caught this one the other day. So, cause I'm always playing around with the back and trying to see what things are doing. And uh, so I told you, you know, went out and downloaded all the Ignite PowerPoints and videos and things like that. So it's more than a couple gigs, right? Um, so I figured, hey, I'm going to throw that into the place where I've got storage, which is my OneDrive. So I'm sitting there churning away on, on my Windows laptop and the, Thing is downloading and it's downloading, it's downloading. And then I I was thinking about my poor Mac sitting at home and I was like, oh, crap, you know, I don't have uh, (laughs) 100 gigs of space sitting on there for all these videos and things. So as soon as I get home, I'm just going to unselect that folder in Selective Sync and say, don't bring it down. Uh, But (laughs) the application wouldn't actually let me unselect the folder until it had been fully synced first, which was kind of a letdown. So I had to wait for it to fill up my hard drive and air out, and then it let me go back and unsync the, or unselectively sync that folder. Yeah. Have I ever told you how I lead a charmed life?
0: Yeah, that, that is pretty charmed life. I know. I always just chuckled when it was the uh, the OneDrive for Business client, and it would be the we now give you a terabyte for your OneDrive for Business. And I would say neat. Um my Surface Pro 3 only has two hundred and fifty six gigs of memory.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: Terabyte here, an unlimited terabyte a couple of terabytes there, you know, you just bump it up in five terabyte increments, it's fine. Yeah.
0: Um so one other thing that uh kinda interesting. Um and I think this was talked about back at SP TechCon San Francisco, maybe, um, where they talked about Office 365 uh, groups and site collections.
1: Mm, Groups and site collections. Always fun.
0: So when we would – so backstory, um, if we go in and we create an Office 365 group, it creates a mailing distribution list with the same name. If it's available, otherwise it lets you tweak it. Uh, that mailing distribution group, notice it is not a security group, uh, is your security for the group. And you're like, "Hmm, okay, strange. Uh, on the back end, it also went out and created a site collection with a document library. And that document library was then made available to you through the group, um, it also stored a OneNote notebook in the site assets folder of that site collection that you didn't have access to. And if you tried to go to, you'd get redirected to the group. Um, so recently, if you go into a group, and this may just be on first release, um, but if you go into a group or newly provisioned tenants, uh, you will see a little tab that says site. And if you click on that, it takes you to the site collection. Who knew? Um, so you now have access to that uh, th- site That collection. is a new thing. Uh, but if you go into the administration for that site collection, it's different. Uh, it
1: is, Yeah, it, well, yeah. Y- y- it,
0: you know, so it's kind of like the video portals site collections that you've got in office 365. They're
1: different. Yeah. Well, I, it it's given you some things, right? So it's given you the modern team site and modern pages and things like that. Uh, And you can go ahead and flip things like the libraries back to classic view at the library level if you haven't done it for your tenancy and whatever else comes through. But, uh, you know, it it turns out that uh, some of that modern stuff has some issues still. Like it doesn't work with everything else. Um, So, uh, you know, they're working on it. And that's why it's in first release and not rolled out to everybody yet.
0: Yeah, but I will say it's... uh... It's pretty snazzy to have that there available to me now, because at least then uh, if someone says, oh, well, I need a list for tracking this and this and this, and you've already got the group stood up with the appropriate membership. At least you can just go ahead and just build it into that uh, site collection that you've got right there.
1: Yeah. Only if everybody else in that group is on first release as well.
0: Details, Scott. Details. Sorry.
1: You, you know, I'm here to ruin it for you.
0: It's all good. I'll yeah, cry too much yeah no,
1: I, mm-hmm. yeah that first release thing kills me sometimes. What did I get by uh, what was the one this week? Oh um, you know I, I tend to, I, I don't know if you run around in first release in a lot of your tenants um, but I tend to do it in most of mine right It's the only way to live um, but then you go ahead and you start to do things with regular users so I was under the crazy impression that uh, planner had GA'd. Because, you know, there's a blog post from back in June that says, Planner has GA'd and it's going to complete its rollout by blah, blah, blah. And you're all set. You're good to go. Go ahead and license your users and, you know, you can do that today. You go in, you have the E3, the E5, you can go ahead and assign Planner and it's all up. It's right there. It's, it's part of that SKU pack and it's in and it's ready to go. And you're like, this is going to be glorious Um, and then you go to your groups and nobody else in the group sees the links to, uh, the plan or the site (laughs) because they're not in first release because planner hasn't actually been GA'd,
0: but you know, what's funny about that
1: besides the fact that it pissed me off and turned me red in the face.
0: Well, if you signed up for preview, um, more than likely those licenses have since expired. (laughs)
1: Oh, yeah, no. I mean, they gave everybody notice about that. And and that was all well and good. But, you know, it makes it really hard when you go out and demo things based on what you think is available. And then you go back and you go, well, damn it, what am I supposed to read? The roadmap or the blog? Or, well, let me go ahead and put in a ticket with support and see if I can get on the phone with somebody and then have everybody in support tell you, oh, no, 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 no. You have little faith. We know we have that blog post and it used to be on the roadmap. But didn't you catch when we? changed it back on the roadmap. No, I missed that one because, you know, Victor Willen doesn't do that anymore. And so I missed it. And then, uh, in, when are you guys going to GA it? Cause you never updated the blog post to say it wasn't actually GA'd. Uh,
0: Oh yeah. Well, we, you know, we'll certainly give you a call when that happens. <laughs> okay. Great. I got a lot of questions about planner, uh, whenever I'm out presenting user groups or whatnot, where folks, are are genuinely interested, like what is the plan for planner? What's it going to cost? Um, how is the licensing going to be handled for it? Mostly because they're getting confused because they get those uh, emails when it was canceling saying that uh, the data was going to be deleted from the tenant, yada, yada, yada. And so they were fairly confused and I don't quite think I might be wrong on this. Uh, but I don't think Planner is in the service description, is it?
1: Uh, I do not believe so. But, I mean, we could always hop over to Office365SD.com. Look, there it is already in my cache, ready to go. Uh, let's see. Planner, Skype, SharePoint Online, Power BI. Nope, yeah, no Planner.
0: Yammer is still there. That's good, right? Yeah. I mean, well, Yammer is going to be around for forever. Oh, no, it's not. Except for when it's not.
1: but Except for when it gets fully subsumed by groups, but whatever.
0: Um, yeah, so I think the service description for Planner uh, does not exist.
1: Office 365, service description...
0: Google oh food. wait, never mind, there it is. Uh so it is gonna be a part of it's on the platform page. Um so it is a part of It's also under suite features. Everything it is under Office three sixty five suite features. So it's not a part of business or kiosk, but it's part of everything else included in the license.
1: I totally love how under the platform features, they actually link you back to a post on the office blogs. Really? <laughs> yes. Yeah. You go into the platform features and you're like, oh, a planner, it's a platform feature of office 365. And you're like, really cool to learn more. See introducing Microsoft planner, which links you back to a blog post from 2015.
0: Okay. But Scott, you're, you're looking at the, the actual footnotes. That's cheating.
1: No, no, no. That's uh, in the paragraph that describes planner
0: uh i think we're looking at two different pages but that never happens uh yeah so well i mean for anybody look, wondering about licensing i guess there you have it it's uh it's going to be included in your license so uh i guess at some point that'll be out there for everybody uh
1: word on the street is it will ga by the end of this month or next
0: Good luck. Okay. Well, that's okay. helpful.
1: And then, and then everybody will have their planar links available in groups. Um, up until that time, they're going to have to slum it with the rest of the non-first release folks and click on the planar tile in their app launcher. Their old app mm-hmm. launcher, because they don't have the new one because they're not in first release. Oh, first release. Mm-hmm. We should talk about that sometime.
0: Yeah, we should. It's It is the bee's knees. Um, so the only other thing that, uh, really caught my eye when I was down at Ignite, um, well, I'll lie about that. Uh, so feature pack one for everybody that's on premises. Yay. Um, I'm excited to see this come down for folks, but I'm also curious, uh, what organizations are using SharePoint server 2016 thus far. Um, just because, it only had that one uh, deployment path if you wanted to bring data in, which was that database attach um, or by a third party tool. So I'm I'm curious. I haven't talked to a bunch of people that have actually stood up 2016 for a client organization, but I'm I'm eagerly interested to see uh, the reception of feature packs.
1: Yeah. uh, I too have not seen many of those. So, Uh, I, I would be keenly interested as well to hear what folks run into with that.
0: But you know what, if you are on office 365, you've got the new hamburger. (laughs) Yes, you do. The new waffle. Uh, yeah. The, the new chicken waffle. I'm pretty certain, uh, whoever it was up on stage that was talking about the waffle and the cheeseburger and whatnot. I think it was bill bear. Uh, I think he was hungry. That's just my, my gut feeling.
1: Yeah, we'll go we'll go with your gut.
0: Yeah. Um so yeah, that's that's about it in the techie realm. Um I am hoping uh, next year at Ignite in Orlando that the food is better. So uh, I thought the food was edible um and nourishing and it was calories, but it was not anything necessarily to write home about. Uh, I heard a lot of other feedback from people, and I don't know if I would necessarily share it, Um, but uh, yeah, having been to TechEd down in Orlando, the food there was actually pretty decent, so my hope is that it too shall be decent uh, next year at Ignite.
1: One can always hope. You know, the, the food's always decent if you don't actually pay for a ticket and you just sit in your office and watch the live streams.
0: Well, so here's the caveat is Atlanta, it's close enough inland that, uh, you don't have to worry about tropical storms too much. Uh, hurricanes though, and tropical storms in Orlando, I mean that, that stuff closes down Disney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like once every 40 years. It happened a couple weeks ago, Scott
1: yeah yeah the fourth time ever whatever you know fourth or fifth not a big deal mbd Uh uh-huh it's just part of being a floridian
0: well uh a buddy of mine um he actually was with his family and they went down to (laughs) orlando to disney and they were miserable um i think they got travel insurance ahead of time so they were making use of that they were going to go back another time but uh yeah, it was entertaining to see the photos of them at whatever hotel that was there on the, uh, on the premises of uh, Disney.
1: Yeah, you know, it's all what you make of it. Uh, that hurricane came through, and uh, we went to Pensacola. So we just hung out on the beach on the other side of the state, and it was totally fine. It was kind of like being at home.
0: Nice. And when you got home, the beach was... Still there, mostly. Um,
1: uh, no, most of the beach was in the street. That was an interesting thing, but <laughs> <laughs> this, such, such is life. The the dunes well, move, apparently.
0: Well, I, I mean, that, that's what they're there for. Mm, uh, you didn't find any sharks in your neighborhood, though, right? No, 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 and and Snopes
1: disproved that for you.